Let's, uh, let's open our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 2, and I'm going to ask you to stand with me one more time tonight. Uh, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. Tonight, last week we talked about, you know, avoiding foolishness, and this, tonight, we're going to do like a, kind of a part one on the acts of wisdom. And there's some things about how we act that we're either wise or we're foolish, and we want to capture some of these instructions. So in Proverbs chapter 2, it says this, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and, and, and equity and every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over, your, over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech. L- listen to that part. There, there are people who have perverted speech. And they, they, they don't come with a big sign, perverted speech on them. They come with a big sign of, look how smart I am. And yet their wisdom is not the wisdom of, of the word. It's perverted wisdom. When we know wisdom, we get delivered from those people. We, don't, we, we reckon, go, that's not right. That's just not right. We sense it, we know it, we feel it, and, and we just know that. I don't, I don't need to listen to that guy. A people in a perverted speech who forsake the paths of, right, of, of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. That's what they do. Who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. Get that? They delight in the perverseness of evil. We've seen some of that in our, in our nation in the last few months as these laws of abortion that promote infanticide are passed in states and people stand around and celebrate. They, 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 they celebrate, they delight in the perverseness of evil. Men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Father, help us to walk in wisdom so we can recognize these things and be delivered from them uh, for the glory of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, The way of wisdom is the word of God. That's the way of wisdom. So we need to to hear that. We need to understand the word of God is the way of wisdom. So hear this statement that we've got here. If you receive, if you receive, That means my heart's open. That means I'm changeable. That means uh, that I can be touched and transformed by the word. I've got to receive it. I don't just learn it. I receive it. If you call, if you call for it, if you're, you're asking God to give it to you, if you seek it, if you're looking in the word, the promise is that when we do that, that says then the Lord gives us wisdom. But I'm in this process of being open to be changed, calling out for change, looking 
for change in my life, not leaning on my own wisdom, but looking for God's wisdom. So tonight I'm going to talk to you just quickly about four uh, places where, uh, of how a wise man walks. There's many others in Proverbs. We'll come back and probably do another week with another set of these later. But right now, look in Proverbs 13, 20. And here's what it says in, in Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. We talked about fools. Fools are these people who find wisdom outside of the Word of God. They, find, they, they choose a path of living that is outside of the Word of God. They, they set their priorities outside the Word of God. They set their values outside the Word of God. They set their morals outside the Word of God. And if I become a companion with them, their language, their joking, all outside the Word of God... If I become a companion with fools, I'm going to suffer harm. People seeking wisdom want to hang out with people who are seeking wisdom. Or they want to hang out with people that they see are walking in wisdom. Foolish people have a tendency to run to people who have the same problem they have for advice. So they're going through a thing, and they've got this teenager who is just in max rebellion, and he's you know, on drugs, really a mess. And what do they have a tendency to do? They find somebody else whose teenager is the same way, and they get together, and they kind of commiserate. They kind of talk to each other, and they feel better about what's going on, but what have they done? Instead of looking for someone who's having victory in that area, they, they've, they've attached themselves to somebody who's in the same boat they're in. They're in the same mud puddle. And so you want to be, in those moments when you're having that, you know, you get, get, some, get a couple of people, a couple of men or a couple of women who have trouble in their marriage, and the enemy wants to push you to somebody else who has trouble in their marriage. He wants to encourage you to get around them. When what you need to be around is people who aren't having trouble in their marriage. You want to get around for people who are having victory in their marriage. If you want to become a soul winner, you want to get around some soul winners. You want to get around people who are having victory in it. If you're struggling with your finances, you want to get around people who aren't struggling with their finances. You want to find out what's the difference. So you want to, you, we want to run to those who've overcome the problem, not, for, not to people who are still in the problem, are people who will simply agree with you. We've got to understand the difference in our lives between cheerleaders and advisors. And I want to tell you, I want to warn you, uh, it's okay to cheer for people. We should cheer for people. But we don't want to simply be cheerleaders. We don't, we don't, I've shared this before. I remember being at a basketball game a number of years ago with our team we were getting beat by about 20 points. There's about a minute and a half left in the game. And our cheerleaders go into this cheer about how, you know, we're, we're so great, we can't be beat. And I'm sitting there going, well, I think we can be. <laughs> we're just about to be. Uh, the game's almost over and we're going to lose. See, a, a cheerleader can, will do that. A cheerleader will cheer for us even when we're doing the wrong thing. 
And, and here's what the sin nature does. The sin nature, when I'm doing the wrong thing, draws me to my cheerleaders and makes me run from my advisors. Doesn't want me to get around those people who are going to look at me and go, what in the world are you thinking? Why are you thinking about doing that? What is, what's that all? That is going to destroy you. You've got to get around people who are victorious, people who are wise, and I've got to know the difference. There's times I want to be around the cheerleaders. I, I need somebody to encourage me. Uh, but I, I, I also need to know who are my advisors. This is why small groups are important. Getting in with a C2 group, being connected with a group of people who really know you and where you become comfortable to share where your battles are at, where they can pray for you, where you can be in a group where you can listen and not be defensive when ideas are different than yours and you can weigh out Scripture and come to a right end. And you want to do that before you make decisions. Before you make decisions. I don't know how many times I, you know, I've had somebody come up to me. I've been in this for 40-some years now. And you've got some young couple, and they run up, and they go, uh, guess what, we're getting married. And you're just looking at them, and you're going, oh, that's not good. <laughs> you know? But their mind's made up. They've are, they, haven't, they haven't come and sought out counsel before. They've just let their emotions guide them. And, and you know trouble's coming. You know trouble's coming. So we, we want to make sure we don't do that to ourselves. We want to make sure that we're receiving the Word of God into our life. What does the Word say about this? What does Scripture say about it? Does this make sense? I need to call out, God, give me wisdom in this. Let me hear your voice. Way before I get so emotionally attached to something, I can't easily give it up. I want to get back and get that, get that wisdom. I want to seek God. So I want to, here, here's the, I want to run. I want to spend a lot of time with wise people. I want to hear how they talk. I want to see how they act. I want to see what their priorities are. I want to be around them and let them influence me. I want to be around people who are wise because to be with the foolish, it's not that it might cause you harm, it's going to cause you harm. Does that mean we never spend time with somebody? No, it just means I don't spend the predominant amount of my time and I sure don't try to get wisdom from them. Okay, here's number two. Proverbs 16, 21. The wise of heart is called discerning, and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Let me say that again. Sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. What does our flesh do when, you know, move us to do many, many times when we are in a disagreement? Does it move its to sweetness of speech? Or does our flesh move to anger in our speech? Going on. Good sense is a fountain of life to him who has it, but the instruction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Gracious words are like a honeycomb sweetness to the soul 
and health to the body. The wise man knows how to argue. The wise man knows how to disagree. The wise man knows how to present a different case. The wise person knows the path of persuasion. And what the Bible is teaching us in our relationships is that kindness in our discussions and our disagreements is more persuasive than the force of yelling, the force of arguing. That doesn't mean we surrender firmness. That doesn't mean we back away from the truth and give up. It means we present the truth with kindness, judiciousness, and graciousness should be our, the guide of our discussions. That when we're in those moments, the wise man doesn't blow up. The wise man is judicious. He's gracious. The wise man guards against being insulting. He guards against being attacking with his words. The wise person guards against being rude. The wise person guards against being overbearing. So instead of letting my emotions control me, when I'm in this discussion with somebody who is disagreeing with me or who's done something I don't like or who's acted in a way I don't like, the call is for us to be gracious and judicious. The wise person brings calm and understanding to the discussion. Doesn't throw gasoline on it, doesn't light it up, doesn't fill it with more emotion. They fill it with more wisdom. Hear me. Issues are not settled with the quickest retort. You may be quick. If you're quick tongue, if you have a quick answer, that's when you need to really harness your tongue. That's when you need to really be careful. Maybe fun when you're joking around, but in the middle of a debate or in the middle of an argument, it can just build walls of destructiveness. The wise man surrounds his response with kindness and patience. The wise person looks to bring about the righteous end by wisdom and power. Now, this is the key, this is a, this is the key to this. We want the righteous end. I'm not trying to win. We don't tr we're not trying to win. We're trying to bring about the righteous end. And when I'm trying to bring about the righteous end, I can be persuaded that the righteous end wasn't the way I thought it was. I can learn from the other person and discover something. But if I'm looking for the righteous end, I know the righteous end isn't going to come by the loudness of my voice or the destructiveness of my words or the buttons I push to hurt them. It's going to be won by kindness and sweetness and persuasiveness and graciousness and judiciousness that brings about the wisdom of God and brings about the righteousness. If I destroy them, I can't be, bring the righteous end about. 
The wise person surrounds his response with kindness and patience. He looks to bring about that righteous end. Power subdues, but power does not persuade. I can be subdued by somebody's power. I can be subdued by their insults or their cutting remarks. Doesn't mean I agree with them. Doesn't mean they've won today. May just mean I'm angry and I'm hurt. Now this next verse goes hand in hand with this. Proverbs 18, 13. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Uh, when, when I was a youth pastor, you, you found this at times where you, know, you, would, you had to discipline some kid for the way they were acting or what they were doing, and they would be mad, and they would go home, and they would tell their parent how you, what, how, that you talked to them, what you said to them. They would paint it uh, more angry than what you really are, and they would never tell the whole story of why they were being disciplined. And if that parent came in and sat down with you and said, hey, listen, my son said he had a problem, uh, what happened? And you can, and you'd be in talk. Now you can get to a righteous end. But many times you'd have a parent come in and they didn't want to hear anything. They didn't want to hear what happened. They just wanted to attack on what they'd been told. How unfair their child had been treated, how unfair, how embarrassed they were, and didn't, they didn't want to hear that they'd embarrassed 15 other people or they'd hurt somebody or something else had, had harmful had happened. They didn't want to hear any of that. They just wanted to, you know, attack. So listen, listen to what the Bible says in this. Uh, the, the one who gives an answer before his, he hears, it is to his folly and shame. I, I need to hear the whole story. So a child comes into our house and we're kind of, burn up about something that's happened or something we've heard and before we even give them a chance to talk we go on the attack and the bible says that's too hard. that's not wise that's the first thing we do is tell me how this happened tell me what took place tell, okay now we're going to deal with this out of wisdom not out of anger several ways this plays out it plays out in the quick response before the person is spoken we don't even give them a chance or number two, it comes, it comes about in making up our minds before we've heard both sides of the story. Proverbs eighteen seventeen says this, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. We'll see what's the warning here. Don't make up your mind when you've heard one side of the story. Make sure you hear both sides of the story. Make sure you hear the whole thing. Uh, so that when, when that person comes in and they've, they've made a decision about guilt or blame or fairness before they've heard both sides of the matter and they're stubborn and they don't want to hear, they're just foolish. That happens many times in our lives, many times in the church world. If you're offended by somebody or if you're concerned about something, you go talk. And part of a talk is letting the other person talk of listening, being careful to confirm before you challenge. Now here's the third point. Proverbs 19.11. Good sense makes one slow to anger. So what? <laughs> so you say, well, I just have a temper. Well, the Bible says you don't have good sense. 
I don't like being talked to that way. It makes me angry. That's because you don't have good sense. The Bible is teaching us to have good sense. And a temper, a, a short fuse is not good sense. And listen, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Wise people don't fly off the handle. This doesn't mean they don't get angry, but they make sure their anger is justified, their anger is is controlled, they can be firm and upset without being attacking and making the matter worse. They're going to be they're going to be angry because the reason of what's happened is fully measured. James is the Proverbs of the New Testament. And in James chapter 1, verse 19 is a scripture that's you know, been alive in my heart and, and challenged me many times. It says this, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. We've got to measure ourselves. Am I, am I quick to hear? Do I take time to hear the whole story? Do I hear both sides of a matter before I make up my mind? You know, my, uh, when my kids were growing up, they'd come in, they'd tell me something their brother or sister, uh, sisters had done to them, and they'd say, what are you going to do about it? And I'd say, I'm going to talk to them, and I'm going to hear their side of the story. Because I knew I was getting one side of the story. And when you get to the other side of the story, you get a fuller picture of what's really going on. And they'd be frustrated. The more frustrated they were that I was going to hear the other side of the story, the more I knew I wasn't getting the whole story. They just wanted me to act on their side of the story. So we're to be quick to, to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now, now listen, listen to this. It is to the wise person's glory to overlook an offense to not engage it. Some people, every, everything that's said that's offensive to them, it's like World War III has started. They've got to challenge it. They've got to take it on. They're not going to be talked to that way. They're not going to be talked about. They've got to go in and, and get, get the Scripture. Says, sometimes you just overlook it. Sometimes you just overlook it. Wise people are not easily offended. Wise people understand sometimes mistakes happen. They, they understand sometimes people do things and say things that they don't even know how insulting it is. It's not, not even, they just don't even know they just insulted you. And you can make a big thing out of it, but they're probably not going to figure it out. They're going to not understand why you were insulted. See, some people are just weak and say things out of their weakness. Wise people don't jump in the mud puddle with them. There are many things that somebody says that they're, that there's, you just, you just, it's, it's not worth this battle. I'm, I'm not going to be offended. I'm going to move on. The goal is always the righteous end. Hear this. <laughs> 
The goal isn't an apology. The goal isn't to win. The goal isn't for the other person to be you know, submitted to you. The goal is what's the righteous end. The goal isn't who gets the glory. This, this is one thing for Wise people don't care who gets the glory. They just want to see the righteous end happen. That's what they want. They want the good thing to happen. It doesn't matter if somebody else gets praised. They know God knows. They know that God knows what their role is. They don't care who gets cheered, who gets the medals pinned on them. They just want to see the righteous end. They don't care who gets put up on the platform or who gets the, 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 you know, the medals hung around. They just want to see the righteous end. And they have determined the righteous end by looking and seeing what the word is and what the word says the righteous end. And they always keep that in sight. And if the righteous end means I have to humble myself, I have to take a hit, I have to receive an insult and not get upset about it, okay, let's work towards the righteous end. Let's go towards what's righteous. Some people are insulting on purpose. They want to hurt you. Some people are insulting on purpose because they think it's smart. Some people are insulting out of ignorance. Some think they're really being wise and bold when they're just being insulting. And the Bible says, be slow to anger, slow to speak that that's the actions of the wise person. Quick to listen means this. It means digging into the issue. If somebody says something that's insulting to you or says something that you don't like the way it's, it's come out, you don't like what you think they're saying, the wise person doesn't just assume, the wise person digs into it. The wise person's quick to listen. Wait a second, you just said ABC. Uh, I'm not sure if I understand what that means. Can you explain to me what you mean by that? And sometimes that one simple statement, they now explain it, and they, they meant something you didn't even, you, you, you took the worst picture, and they had the best picture. And you didn't, you were, you, were, you were upset about it, and they didn't even really mean it the way you took it. So we asked them to, re, to, 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 to explain it. And then if it's still insulting, you restate it. Okay, what you just said to me is that I'm a big idiot. Is that what I'm getting? <laughs> that I'm so dumb I can't get out of this room without help. Is that, 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 is that what you're saying to me? I want to make sure I'm getting this so I can respond properly to it. So you, you, just, you just restate it. And sometimes in the restatement of something, the person will go. Not all the time. Sometimes they're just being insulting. But sometimes they'll go, oh, no, 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 I didn't mean it that way. Okay, well, let's say it again. How did you mean it? But that's part of being quick to listen. I'm telling you, so many times in life, I've been in, in the middle of these discussions, and people are jumping into one assumption after another, and they're never really listening to the other person. person makes a statement, and that person leaps to the worst possible outcome. Uh, we ask them, how do you feel? What makes you feel that way? How, do you, how did you come to that conclusion? 
You may not like what you hear. They may tell you something you don't like, but now you're beginning to at least understand where they're coming from. I feel this way because for the third week in a row, you've run your car into my car. So I think you're a big idiot. You know, so that, oh, okay, well, yeah, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good thought. I probably shouldn't do that anymore. You, you, you listen to how, why they feel the way they feel. Uh, you ask the question, what do you want the outcome to be? What do you really want to see happen because of this conversation? Where do you really want to see this relationship go? How do you really want us, what do you really want? It may be a disagreement over money. It may be a disagreement over some decision you're having to make. What do you really want us to get to? Okay, so we've got the same goal. We just have different ways of getting there. How do we work through that? And, and now that we're talking, how do you want me to respond? Now, at the end of that, you may have to be able to look and say, well, I just don't feel comfortable responding to that, that the way you're asking me to. And when you get to that point, where you got, that's when you get mediators, other Christians involved, to say, help us find an answer through this, whether that's in a friendship or whether that's in a, a business, whether that's in a marriage, whether that's in a relationship with a child, let's go find somebody who's going to help us work through this. I always appreciated it. Uh, I had this happen many times as a youth pastor when I, I, a parent would come in with their child and they'd say, I'm telling him this. He's telling me he wants to do this. We've come to you to help us work out what the best answer is. Now, I'm telling you, that's, that can be a little scary because sometimes if you tell the parent that the right answer isn't their answer, they get mad. You can't get mad when you go to that person. You've got to go to somebody you trust enough and if the other person trusts enough that when they come to an, an opinion that you can trust the opinion. That's what you're looking for in a good counselor. So you, you just don't go to anybody and you can't drag them to somebody they don't trust. You got to find somebody that both of you trust. Listen, now here, wise people are not easily offended. Wise people keep their eye on the goal, which means getting, getting angry doesn't help. They're looking for the righteous end. Wise people try to understand the other person and why they're thinking and acting the way they're thinking and acting. And wise people put effort into helping the other person understand them without being offensive. I'm, I'm going to try, to try to get here. Now listen, when my kids were little, they were little, I had determined in my life with my kids that when I corrected them or gave them boundaries, I was always going to explain them to them. And I, I was explaining boundaries to them before they could understand boundaries. So that it was just very natural all through our lives while they were in our home. This got more and more important as they got to be in junior high and high school. With all of them, I would get to a certain point in life where I'd sit down with them and say, now listen, 
you're getting to an age right now where your hormones are kicking in and where your desires to be independent are kicking in and all kinds of things are, are kicking in. And over these next five or six years, you're going to have things you're going to want to do or places you want to go or think, ways you want to act, and I'm going to say no to it. You've got to make up your mind right now whether you're going to trust me in those moments or not. I will explain why I'm saying no. I will tell you why I'm saying no. You may still disagree, but listen, I'm still the final say. I'm still the final, as long as you're living in my house, eating my food, I'm the final say. You're not. It's no magic age, not when you turn 16 or 17 or 18. You don't magically become somebody who can do whatever they want. No, you want to do what you want, get a job, get your own place, do whatever you want. Until then, I have the final say. Are, are, are we on page here? And I would explain that to him straight up. This is the way it is. Now, over these next five or six years, seven years, until you go out on your own, this can be easy or it can be hard, but I'm guaranteeing you I'm going to win. It may be hard. I may have to handcuff you onto me and take you around with me every place I go, but I'm going to win at the end of the day. I'm going to win. So let's just make sure we all understand each other. Now, but what you don't want to do when they're in that junior high and high school is be so dictatorial that you're not listening to them and you're not helping them get to a righteous end in their own thinking. You're not helping them come to a righteous place. But that comes from building relationships. You, have to, you want them to understand without being offensive to them. Okay, we're going to wrap this up. Proverbs 19.27. Cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Have you ever read a scripture or heard a teaching and thought, why haven't I ever heard that before? What? Why hasn't anybody ever taught me that before? Well, you probably have heard it before. You've probably read it before. You read a scripture and you think, I've read this passage a hundred times. I never saw that before. Has that ever happened to anybody besides me? Yeah, that's a common thing. You know why? Because it is, the, the Bible is a living document and it springs into your life at the right time. In the moment that you need it most, you hear it. Somebody may have preached it last week and you didn't hear it, and then you come into the service the next week and somebody preaches almost the same thing and you hear it. You go, that is amazing. Probably was preached a week ago, a month ago. You needed it right now. You needed it right at that moment. The word is living. The wise man, the wise person, is a lifelong learner, especially when it comes to the word of God. They, don't, they never come to this place of, I know enough of the word. That's why you're here tonight. So I commend you. But he opens his word and he reads it. He comes to the house of God, open to learn and to apply the word. He goes into a small group and tries to get others' insight, and he's richer for the effort because he's putting the effort in to learn. He's trying to learn. Here's the problem. If we don't keep learning, then the information of the world 
will push us further and further from the truth. The Word anchors us. The Word keeps us. That's why we want our kids to know it. It'll anchor them. It will keep them. It will build a solidness to their character while the world is trying to push them away from the values of God's Word. The passage says this. The passage does not say this. It doesn't say you might stray if you stop learning. It says you will stray if you stop learning. Now, these are just some of the acts of wise people. So tonight, we're going to end this tonight. And I'm going to ask you to end it by doing this. Tonight, I want us to practice what I hope you do every week because the wise are looking to be instructed. instruction. We give you notes on all of our services. They're not simply to help you pay attention or for you to write notes to your neighbor or to jog your phone numbers down. What we hope you do with the notes is that you take them into your prayer time. And you go into your prayer time and you pray your way through them Sunday afternoon, Monday morning. And you say, okay, God, this is what was taught Sunday. Do you have anything to say to me here? Is there anything I need to learn here? Because I want to be a lifelong learner. I want to be growing in you. So here's how you do that. You go point by point and you present yourself to God. You say, God, uh, here I am. Uh, How am I doing at listening to others? How am I doing in my discussions? God, how am I doing? And, and you just go right down through all of these. And you just, you just present it to the Lord and say, how am I doing? And many, many times, God, you'll find yourself just at peace and you move on. And other times, God will say, well, you know that one relationship you have right over there? That's, you know, you're not listening there too well. You get angry too quick with that person. Uh, you don't, you don't do too, don't, you, know, you make up your mind before you hear the whole thing. So, you know, the first one is, Lord, how, how am I doing with, how am I doing with walking with the wise or the foolish? God, is there anybody in my life who is foolish that I'm letting influence me too much? And we just let the Lord speak to us about it. God, is there anybody in my life who really has wisdom and I'm not gleaning from them enough? I'm not spending enough time listening to what they have to say. And we let the Lord speak to us about it. Okay, so it's 8 o'clock. I'm going to ask you to stand. And uh, you can come down around the altar or you can go sit in one of the other places. But this is just kind of one-on-one with you guys. Take your notes. Take your notes. And take about five minutes and just go through every one of the points and let the Lord speak to you. If you want me to pray with you about something, I'll be right down here in the front. I'll be happy to pray with you. When you're done, now make up your mind, are you going to receive it or are you going to reject it? Because the pathway to health is in what? Receiving it. All right, take a few moments and let the Lord speak to you. God bless you. I love you. Lord, speak to us right now in these moments. Let them know how much you love them. Let them know how how much I love them. And Father, let us grow wiser because of your word in Jesus' name. Amen.